Welcome everybody to the Change Starts Here podcast. We have an exciting 30 to 40 minutes for you. And I promise you, if you stay for the 30 to 40 minutes, you're going to experience life-changing paradigms. And most importantly, I think you're going to experience joy. Um, our guest today is the is originally known for uh, the YouTube video. It's gotten about 100 million views for Kid President. And if you haven't seen it, what I would tell you, and this may not be the best thing to do in the middle of a podcast, feel free to pause it, go to YouTube, Google Kid President and Pep Talk, and just get some joy for the day. And then come back and learn about all the things Brad's doing to bring joy to people's lives all across the globe. Um, Brad, honestly, when I when I first saw Kid President and it had 40 something million views, I was thinking, how on earth is he ever going to pivot from it? And I can tell you, as someone who's dove deeply into this book, Becoming Better Grownups, uh, I can tell you confidently, it's changed my life. It's changed the way I've been able to talk to my kids. It's changed the way I've been able to talk to my adults. So I just, uh, I, I believe, you know, it's probably scary at first to be known for a video. I just feel like from this book, and I know that you have another book coming out, People are going to know you from just the way that you live, the person you are, and the little nudges you give all of us to get better. So thank you so much for being here today with us. Uh, that's a really nice way to begin a conversation. <laughs> well, good. I appreciate it. Now let me let me do this. I'll, I'll try to I'll try to go the opposite way now. Um, start the conversation. <laughs> Everything um, I've ever done wrong. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to start the conversation with, um, what do you do for a living? I know that's your favorite question. You've talked about it before. Tell me, uh, how would you answer that question? What do you do for a living? Yeah, what do you do? What do you do? Oh, that question, is, it stresses me out. It always has, because I always, you know, unless, as a kid, I thought I would be a doctor because then that's easy to explain to people. Um, but I would be a terrible surgeon or healthcare professional in any way. Uh, what do you do? And, and when you work in a creative field, it sort of depends on what day it is, you know, like, um, well, today I'm a writer or today I was supposed to be a writer, but I didn't write. I just sat there and was very insecure or uh, I'm an illustrator or I make videos or and all of those things. And so when somebody asks that, I always just jumble my words up and go, I make things. <laughs> yeah. So you, um, I think the first time you and I were able to meet in person was several years ago. And I remember you sharing a really cool story about meeting a, a Supreme Court justice mm -hmm. and uh, kind of telling us how how she responds to that question or why she doesn't ask that question. Yeah, I mean, we were at this, this one of those dinners where they have name plates where you're supposed to, you know, sit down where your name is. And I found my place and it was right beside Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor. And I'm like, oh, no, I know what she does. Like she's going to ask what I do and I'm going to say, I make silly things on the internet <laughs> and like she's the Supreme Court justice. And um, what was interesting is we, she was so kind, so gracious, generous, We're sitting there. It was very normal. <laughs> and then she like asked me, so Brad, and I'm like, oh no, she's going to ask it. She said, so what do you love about what you do? And I just... I don't know. It's like a magic trick because I immediately could answer it. I immediately started going, oh, I love that I get to work with kids and people who care about kids. I love seeing people light up when they remember something they've known all along and they, they realize how much 
they matter and the people around them matter. And I love creating things with my family and people I love and I love and I just went on and on and on. And then I realized, ah, oh, she got me. Like if she had asked me what I do, I would have gone, uh, I make things. But she asked me what I love and, and I didn't realize, but I, I, could, I could articulate that. And Robbie, who's my little brother-in-law that played the part of Kid President in all the videos, um, he was there too. And, and she asked him, what do you love about being Kid President? And that's not really something people ever asked. Even like when we did interviews and things, they would ask like, who's the most famous person you've ever met, Kid President, or give me a pep talk. Like treating him like he's an internet meme when he's just a kid who's making something with his brother-in-law. Um, so she asked him, what do you love about being Kid President? And I got really nervous because I'm thinking, I don't know how he's gonna answer this. Cause people had asked him before, you know, what, you know, what do you wanna be when you grow up? And he would say something ridiculous like a dinosaur or, you know, and, but his answer was, um, I like that we get to help people. And I love that I get to just spend time with Brad. And he, I had not heard him say that. I had hoped that that's what he loved about what we were doing. And I don't think he had heard me say what I loved about what we were doing, you know? Um, I had hoped he just sort of soaked it up and, and picked it up through osmosis. And I realized that that's not really something we, we give words to a lot, the things we love. And when you meet someone to immediately jump to that, to leap to the love is, is a beautiful thing. And I asked her, I was like, you, kept asking everyone the best question. What do you love about what you do? Like Justice Sotomayor, what, where did that come from? And she said, oh, because I, you know, if somebody asks what I do and then I tell, I, they just want to talk about what's it like to be a Supreme Court justice, but I don't want to talk about titles. I want to talk about justice and giving voice to people who don't have a voice. And she just went on and on. I want to talk about what I love and you know, when, if you know what somebody loves, then you really know them. Yeah, you really know who they are. That I mean, to me, I think so. That's great advice for anybody as you're meeting new people, as opposed to I, I always cringe when people ask me, "What do you do?" I'm like, "Well, what's that going <laughs> to tell you?" Like, let's talk about who we are, right? So the why, yeah. and so that's so refreshing. But I will say something else that hit me like a ton of bricks, and I think about my time as an educator uh, or you know, teaching or in even a district office capacity, or even now in my current role, um, being reminded that I do love the people that I get to work with. It is such a blessing the people I get to work with, uh, one, and two, the why and focus. If I can just every day wake up and focus on loving the people that I get to work with and focus on the why, why we're doing it, we'll figure out the rest. And so yeah. that was just really encouraging as like a level set of here's how I need to wake up today. Um, so thank you for sharing that experience. Yeah, and it's really cool when you hear somebody put words to their love. Like um, I'm a words person, so I need to hear those things. And I think for any team anywhere to hear from their fellow team members why they love being with them, why they love the little things about their work, the, the quiet glories of what happens every day. Um, that I think breathes life to even more good in, in our work. Um, like, uh, there's a Gibran quote that work is love made visible. And when I think about the people who are doing things that, um, 
you know, really adding beauty to the world. They're just people who are making their work, their love made visible. Like whether it's in a classroom or um, with a business or as a parent, um, everything we do can be love made visible. And that's a pretty big daily task. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I have to be honest at this point. So I, as an educator, I started in high school, right? So uh, what that tells you a little bit about my personality, again, going back to the, what do you do? You can clean a little bit. You're brave. Uh, I may be a little sarcastic. I may be a little cynical <laughs> at times. Uh, and so to be quite honest, when I pick up this book, Becoming Better Grownups, I was thinking, I've met Brad. He's so inspiring. He's so creative. I'm not that creative. I like to get stuff done. I don't know how creative I am. I, I don't know what this is going to do for me. And I'm just telling you, whether you are wicked creative or like me, you don't see yourself as creative. This book just speaks to your soul in a way that not many things do. And so to that, what what led you to just write this book? Because um, I can't thank you enough for taking this journey. I uh, thank you for that. But I, I didn't actually set out to write this book. I, I was writing um, children's books, like lots of stories. Um, I create stories that I share in classrooms. I share with my own children. Uh, we share at summer camps, like all these stories. And I was working on those. And, and then I sort of hit this wall of wanting to share these stories with the world. And I had been spending time in classrooms and, and sharing my own stories, but realizing that there was such a gift that was happening for me when I was listening to um, children. So like hearing their stories, seeing the world through their eyes and hearing their problems and their fears. And um, so I, I started a project where I just, I was like, I'm gonna visit a school in all 50 states. And then it transitioned to, I'm not just gonna visit a school in all 50 states. I want to not go and share one of my stories. I'm gonna shut my mouth and open my heart and just listen to what kids have to say. And I'm gonna just lay the lay things out where they can speak to me. And um, with the promise that I would share it with grownups. <laughs> and and what happened is it just snowballed where I had thousands of schools that, that um, applied for this. And I found myself in lots of different settings. It was schools that were, you know, like castles that were, you know, extremely well-funded, schools that were um, less well-funded, schools that um, were struggling, schools that um, were home schools, unschools. I, I visited them all. And at all of them, they had something in common is that there were amazing kids and there were amazing adults who cared about the kids. And, um, if I created space where I could give them a microphone and just ask them a question like, what's your greatest fear? How can I be a great grown-up? They would tell me. And, um, and so the book came as, it was part survival of wanting to know these things myself and then feeling a great responsibility to um, put the spotlight on children for uh, the adults in the world. Well, I'll be honest. I think uh, any any person who's trying to learn something from somebody else, it makes it easier when that person is very humble and self-reflective and talks about their own uh, struggles. And so 
you did something you talked about in your book a little bit that um, somewhere along your journey, you decided to try to figure out how to get them to talk kids to talk more so you can <laughs> learn more to become a better adult. And you built a treasure map that I've actually started playing with my my son uh, to, to just try to figure out where we both are. Can you tell us a little bit about what that treasure map is? Because I think that 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 was pretty revolutionary, not just to talk to kids, but even adults possibly. Yeah, I, I made this map of different places that I found myself visiting every day. So it was um, like the Sea of Insecurity, which is a place I visit often. I practically have a houseboat there. There's um, Inspiration Island, which is a place, you know, those moments in the day when I'm inspired. There's all of these different emotional states that um, it's like we visit throughout the day. And uh, so I created a map. And it became a, a really great shortcut to be able to lay the map down and ask kids, okay, where, where are we at on the map today? And they would immediately click and they would start talking about how they were um, in Comparison Canyon and they were comparing themselves to somebody else or they were over in the mines of hustle and they were working, you know, all of these places that we visit. And then it presents an opportunity where I get to talk to them about how normal it is to have these big feelings that everybody visits those places, but you actually can choose where you go on the map. And there's a place that we want everybody to end up to, and that's the bonfire of belonging, this, this campfire. Uh, if everybody can create a space, which is what a lot of great classrooms are, is essentially campfires, bonfires of belonging, a place where people come and they can hear stories or they can, um, people where value is shared. And um, it's also a place where we can listen and we can listen to these stories and we can share these stories and to let them know that their their presence matters there, that wherever you go on the map, that's fine, but we need you to come back so that we can learn from you and you can learn from us. We, we need each other around there. Uh, and the more we kind of like got vulnerable about how I could let them know the places that I felt on the map. And it would always spark a discussion where the teachers would share a part where they felt like they'd been somewhere on the map. Um, and, and it was really cool to see kind of everybody's um, eyes would light up because they were inspired as they felt less alone and their shoulders would relax because they didn't feel like they had to impress each other by, you know, feeling like they all had it all together. We're just yeah. explorers on the map. Oh, I think you just gave me the answer then is that, um, so, for me, the, the, the ability to be vulnerable, right? And to, to get others to talk. What's that thing you notice once you showed them as an adult or once you saw the teacher show the kids? Yeah, I've been to these different places. I've been to uh, the sea of insecurity or something, right? Like I, I've been to those places, but I get off there. What, how does that change the dynamic when an adult is being vulnerable about that? What did you see? Yeah, it's, it's really, you know, I, I feel like I had a handful of teachers that I felt like had that skill or, or they felt comfortable doing that. And I remember them. Um, I think I'm seeing it more and more, at least, you know, when I traveled um, and, and the educators that I meet, uh, they have an ability to be very um, honest in a, in a healthy and appropriate way of letting the children see their humanity. And the, that I think is gonna unlock a lot of great growth for everybody because we grow in relationships. Like 
as humans, that's how we grow in relationships with each other, um, side by side. That's where the best learning happens. And so to be able to connect to, to the humanity of the person who's, who's showing you what math is and what numbers are and what um, language is, um, that only um, amplifies the, the learning. Absolutely. Um, so diving in, I mean, I, I promised everyone listening at the beginning, we're going to keep diving into more like life-changing paradigms and experiences. And so I have a few that I pulled out that I want to talk about, but feel free to, to go any direction. The diving board. Let's go. Yeah, let's do it. I, I mean, I'm so excited. I'll tell you some stories along the way of like how it's impacted <laughs> my life already with my adult relationships and my kid relationships. Um, but the first one that, you know, hit me like a ton of bricks and I don't think it's any accident that you start the book there is the lesson about show up, right? Just mm. show up. Can you tell us a little bit about how you kind of learned the importance of that lesson and being present and showing up? Yeah, I mean, it was, you have this idea of what you think is gonna happen when you start a project. I mean, that's just sort of the nature of anything. You start and you sort of think, okay, I have an idea where this is gonna head. I had some thoughts about what kids might say about what they think makes a great grown up, but I didn't expect it to be just so uh, blatant that over and over and over every setting I visited, it would come up that they just wanted and longed for needed the adult's presence. Uh, now they would bring up other things like, you know, jet skis and ridiculous stuff, but that they wanted to do like big, cool things. But it would always come back to just wanting to be together and that their favorite moments with some grown up that meant a lot to them were not spectacular, but were very simple. Um, that the thing that they longed for most was just to be seen and to be together. And and so as a dad, as a person who who cares about the kids in his life, um, I want to do big things for them. Like I, I, I do, I, I, I want to throw big parties for them and go on big trips. And I feel that pressure to be a great dad, a great grown-up. And I thought this would just sort of turn that up even more in me and make me really like lean into being a great dad and great grown-up. And instead it helped me relax into seeing all the ways I already matter to the kids in my life. All the ways just by me being me and being present with them is a big deal. And so I, for me, it helped me unlock the moments that were already extremely meaningful. That tying my daughter's shoe just a few moments of the morning, that was one of the most important things I would do that day. And doing that over time, showing up, and looking her in the eyes and tying her shoe and saying something um, meaningful to her was a bigger deal than us going to Disneyland or, or doing something huge together. Um, just your presence. And, um, and uh, there's, there's science to prove this. There's, uh, I, there, the more I discovered uh, uh, that, that this was something kids longed for and it was something that they biologically, psychologically, that they, they needed, um, just presence. And, and so, one of the greatest gifts of releasing a book like this 
has been the feedback when people say that they stopped reading it just so they could go play with their kids or they, they shut it. And I'm like, that's a weird thing to be happy about that somebody's just stopped reading your book. But that, that was the hope that, that it would just wake people up to the magic that's already around them. You're already doing it. And so that's kind of what I feel like is part of my work is to show up There's a room full of educators, a room full of people that maybe work at a children's hospital or whatever capacity. And I can just tell them you're already doing it. <laughs> like you're already, already just you being you is already making a difference. Now let's talk about what kind of difference we want to make. Like how do, how do you, let's start there with your presence. Yeah. One of the things that it's clear you have a passion for is drawing and art. And so within the book, obviously you've got different artwork and even with the audio, you can get artwork, I believe. Right. And so, are you, and so it's just really neat. I think when you were talking about um, showing up or, or there's a, there's one illustration that shows like the child mind and the adult mind. <laughs> yeah. 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 Really easy. Again, it's, it's kind of like no duh, of course, everyone knows it. And you were trying to make anything bold. You're just trying to make it simple for everybody to understand. The child thinks about what is right now, the present, and the adult is about anything but right now. And so I was able to use that and start talking to my seven-year-old and start helping <laughs> us understand where we are and how we get better. But also, I'll be very honest, like before I start my day now, that's one of the things that I think about is like, how am I present with everybody on my team? When I show up, how do I show up and I am fully here and not 10 other places? And so mm. um, I, I don't think, I mean, I, I do know that this is about what we learned from kids, but I think what I'm learning is that the things in this book and the, the, the lessons you're trying to teach, yes, they help me be a better parent and be in relation to our students. Uh, but most importantly, I think it helps me be a better adult if I just look at it through that lens. Yeah, look, I think kids are amazing time travelers and, and that they, Actually, we spend so much time traveling to the future and worrying about what's next, or we spend a lot of time time traveling to the past and thinking about regrets, what we should have said, and all of that stuff that weighs us down. And kids are true time travelers in that they're floating in the moment. And, and, and that's if they're a healthy kid, and that's if they don't have stuff from the past that's holding them way in the back, or something that they're worried about where their next meal is going to come from, all of those things that stuff can pull them out of being in a healthy moment. And, and so to have adults that are living in the present and can see them for who they are and what they need right now uh, is the most important thing. So you mentioned uh, a moment ago about uh, how some people, it's a, it's a weird compliment to get about people stopping reading your book, putting it down and going to play. I'll just give you a quick antidote of my life. Again, I've got a seven-year-old, a soon-to-be five-year-old, and a four-month-old. And so life- Oh, like, you're right in the middle of it. Yeah. <laughs> a little hectic right now. But the, the thing I will say is, I my wife and I are both uh, former teachers and work with district offices. And so um, we're very much passionate. We're very passionate about trying to relate to our kids, understand our kids, listen to our kids. And I have been trying to figure out how do I get- I love talking for a living. I love, hopefully this is enjoyable for you to talk to because I love asking questions. <laughs> and I'm trying to figure out how do I do that with a kid? And I will just tell you, 
I have stressed for two years now to my wife about how do I connect to Luke? How do I, my oldest son, how do I get him to just open up and talk to me? Well, since I read your book, I've been playing with him more. I've been trying to figure out weep and playing. He loves looking at rocks. I've been trying to dive into his oh, rocks, yeah. whatever yeah. it is. He's excited about Ninja. He loves American Ninja Warrior. We <laughs> don't into that. And I will just tell you, here's a quick example. Last night, Thursday nights, uh, or not Thursday night, whenever we were, uh, last night was, uh, we were going to his American Ninja Warrior camp class, whatever, and we we're driving back. And he just said, Dad, can we can we drive around a little longer and just keep talking? I just want to talk to you. Oh, so like yes. to me, like I'm like almost in tears. And I just want you to know that it's a simple reminder of what you said. Kids, you know, are you know, think adults are always tired and kids, you know, want adults to play more. And so I've been incredibly conscientious. I've been exhausted, let's be very clear. And I have not wanted to play, but because of the lessons you taught me of like, how do I relate to a kid? Play, show up, not be tired. I, the things that I've always wanted, just cause I did those mm -hmm. are happening. So thank you. Uh, and I just don't know if you have any other advice about the play part or the not be tired part. <laughs> no, I, that has, I, I think I write things to in the same way my grandmother would write things down so that she could remember them like she would write down about you know take my medication and here's what time my stories come on and all that stuff uh, I always thought that was funny like she couldn't remember that um, but I literally have found everything I make I'm writing just so I can remind myself so like I will write things about this is how much you matter and your presence and this is what a big deal it is that that you're here and you matter and then I'll feel down on myself. And it's like a little ship, little uh, little uh, note in a bottle that comes back to me in the water. And I look at it and have these reminders that, uh, oh yeah, I should listen to my own words. Uh, in the same that uh, so much of this book and, and other things I've done that are about focusing on connecting with children, communicating with them and being play a playful, presence is is profound um that's because i forget it and um you know when my daughter wants me to come play in the new dollhouse thing that we got um I, my first instinct is oh no like I'm, I'm busy i'm busy i'm busy um and i have to remember these little reminders of of uh how can i show up and be present for her right here right now um, in a way that, that, that's meaningful to her. For her, it's, it's play. For my son, it's games, um, um, board games, card games, inventing games. Um, and for her, it's talking and playing. And so learning that about them has, has challenged me and, and made me grow and uh, how I, I don't show up in just the way I want to for them of, well, I like this. Um, instead, of, I'm trying to be aware of, of where they are and and how they can be them their true selves and and i can be there alongside them no that's a great point there's a there's a uh an awesome time management guru uh she probably wasn't like i call her guru all the time but named julie morgenstern who talks about uh, the, uh she has a book that came out recently called time to parent and in that she was talking about how she relates you know there's a relating time and there's teaching time with kids and so yeah. relating, when you're relating, you're in the kid's world. You're not coming with your own paradigms. You're diving into the kid's world. And so mm -hmm. knowing that, understanding you, like it just gave me a good structure of like, just check out of my paradigms, check out or check out of my uh, 
ideals for this and just play with the kid and let him or her direct us, right? Yeah, and it's 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 really been helpful for our family in that I think there's a, there's a feeling of of that we're a team and and we're on this we're we're in this together and and that that um they see I'm on their team and 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 they're on mine and and so I've talked to lots and lots of parents who have kids who are older and and I'm really aware of of those older parents who have kids that have gone off and and um and they still want to be with them they still like want to talk to their parents and and I want to know what they did and how how did they do this and um it's been helpful to kind of learn there from their experiences no um all right this is going to be a hard pivot but it was something I was really excited to ask about so uh as an educator your videos that you made I always loved I had uh, friends who were not educators who you know they were inspired by it but they probably didn't understand all the messages uh, but the one part as a former basketball player, a lot of my friends are basketball players. Uh, we love the comment where you just said, you know, Michael Jordan, you know, he would have happened if he would have quit, not the retirement part, but like if he would have quit, if he'd have never had space jam. And I love space jam like that. I, I, that just one line brings so much joy to myself, my, my, uh, life. Um, <laughs> the thing that I appreciate about the, this chapter of the book for you is you're just honest about like the blessing and the curse of having something like that just go viral be known for that so powerfully can you talk a little bit about like the cool blessings the challenge like the curse that kind of came from it in a way and what that's the new paradigm for life that that's given you because i do think that's incredibly inspiring yeah well you know i i um attempted to be a basketball fan I attempted as a kid to be like, to collect baseball cards and, and I had a subscription of Sports Illustrated for kids and I would like really try, I really tried. Um, but I, I just, I wanted to be on a team, but I didn't like sports. <laughs> so I, I was the manager of the basketball team. I was around it, you know, just because I wanted to be with people. Um, and so I was aware of Michael Jordan, of course, how could you not be? Um, but what I thought would be was funny was that he'd have these incredible sport athletic achievements. And um, what I know him best from is a movie in which he played basketball to save planet Earth from aliens with the Looney Tunes. And so like to put that in a video and in the rough draft of the Kid President pep talk where he says that line, I had him say that line that I'd written and um, he was holding a VHS copy of Space Jam and like I got this beautiful shot and it felt too absurd. So I didn't include it in the, in the video. But um, the twist comes in which it says, what if he had quit? He would have never made Space Jam. And I love Space Jam. There's a question after that. It's not just a joke. It then says, what will be your Space Jam? What will you create to make the world more awesome? Um, nothing if you keep sitting there, you know, like it's this whole inspiring, don't give up sort of thing. And um, it's funny because there's things you will say or, or write that then after experience, you, you don't hold as true or as important. And for me, that's that's one of those lines in which it is funny and it means a lot in a way of somewhat inspiring 
but to put your value on what you do is um is is not a true equation of of, of success um because i then had this this uh moment where i've been making things my whole life i've been working and writing and making things and this video came out it was a runaway train millions of views more things more people watched that than had made anything up to that point uh, than i had ever touched and i thought oh no that's my space jam like i made it i did the thing that i was supposed to do and so now i guess i'm i'm done like everything else is just pointless and and that is not true for anyone like uh what if you know uh every person you you ever loved that had done something just said well i guess i did the thing i'm here to do um and and so i had to then rethink that maybe the greatest things we do are not seen by millions of people but um there's little unseen acts of love that make the whole world go round every day it's the unremarkable that actually makes a difference uh, uh and so i then am now of the belief that my space jam is not a video that went viral or a book that's on the bestseller list it's um my life and your space jam is your life it's not one thing one moment in which we get accolades or applause it is um a series of moments that add up to a life and so i'm still in the middle of my space jam and you're you're now part of it like you you you're you're in it you're a cast member <laughs> and when you see it now you realize like okay there's this whole life is a, is a giant art project and it's a masterpiece and there's no extras in it every single person is a meaningful player in it and so it it made me go from being really discouraged to very inspired not that i still don't wrestle with um melancholy and and uh sadness but i i now understand my value is not on what i make but just simply who i am and how i can show up for the people around me mm that's something that uh we all need to remind ourselves with uh every day i think the hardest part about talking to you Brad is that i have 8000 more questions like i want to oh, talk yeah. about let's go song. i want to talk about the daily nudges i want to talk about becoming an elder versus old. i mean i i'm telling you i feel like buddy that i'm so giddy uh of all the things i want to talk to you about but i don't know if everybody has the time or wants to view this that long and so a couple quick things one I hope everybody that's listening goes and checks this book out because I, I promise you it's going to be a life-changing paradigm for you. Secondly, uh, I hope um, you'll come back. I know that you and your wife are working on a really cool project and a book that I am excited to check out as soon as I'm allowed to. Um, and hopefully, you'll come back and talk to us. Would that be okay? Yeah, yeah. The circles all around us is coming out in May, and it's a uh my first picture book um and um I'm really really proud of that little thing. Uh and so before before you leave is there is this going to be a hard question for you given all the the nuggets of wisdom that uh you you're able to give us and experiences you've had is there one or two pieces of advice that you can give me and the folks listening on how to be better grown up starting today when we 
uh, step away from this podcast. Uh, well, Dustin, you're like already doing it and you're part of a crew of people that do it. Um, man, I've, I've loved being in your orbit and, and, and kind of seeing the impact that, that everything you all do has, um, that has, has been, been a big deal. It's been a big part of my journey. Um, so thank you for all you guys do. Um, one thing that that's been helpful to me recently, cause you know, everybody's been through a season of loss. Um, every single person, you know, and I know has lost something, has something to mourn. Um, and, and so we're sort of in this, this backdrop of just, there's a lot of challenges that we've all been navigating and, and people have been, you know, plowing through and, and, you know, educators for sure have, have shown up in, in ways that are, are incredibly um, powerful and forever being remembered. I think like kids right now, years from now, um, the stories they tell about this time of, of being in a pandemic will be really interesting. I think they'll tell stories about things that um, their parents did or, or things that, that teachers did, ways that, that they showed up in a, in a a way that meant something to them. And I think we stress out about all of the things that we're not able to give them right now. So one of the things that's been helpful to me to remember, and it's kind of one of those lessons I keep learning and relearning and, and forgetting and then having to learn again, is that uh, so much of life is less about which door you go through and it's more about how you go through the door. <laughs> so like, um, I've stressed out about, um, because we had a book that launched um, in the middle of the pandemic and I had all these ideas for how it was going to happen and it didn't happen that way. And we had big opportunities that fell apart and all these things I was going to do. And I thought that is going to make or break the next steps for us. And all these things I wanted to do with my kids for, for uh, over the summer and all this stuff. And to break out of that and realize that that's life is about choices but it's far less about which door we go through. It's more about how we handle going through the door. And that, that says so much about who you are and, and who you want to be and the kind of world you want to live in. And so, you know, I think as options were being shut down for us and doors are being closed and we're kind of like limited in what we can do, we can choose how we go through it. And, um, to teach that to my children and the kids around me and to me, myself, and how I, I go through things. Um, that's been a good reminder. So I think the people that are part of this community uh, are people who go through doors really well, are people who dance through doors, are people who invite people, who hold doors open for people. They're people who create atmospheres where the door's wide open and everybody feels like they belong. And, and I think that's the kind of, uh, kind of people that are going to change things for the better. I agree. Well, thank you so much for today, Brad. Um, this has just been awesome. And again, like I said, I hope you will come back to visit us soon. So good to talk with you. Yeah. So uh, before we leave, I have a surprise guest so that you can model to our audience about how either he can ask you questions or you can ask him questions. But my seven-year-old, again, one of the cool things in your book, and I apologize, I keep getting holding up. I'm just so excited with it. Uh, is there's a story that I can actually read to my kids to help them kind of understand uh, some of the lessons that you learned along the way. 
And it was something that he picked up on really quickly. And so he may have questions for you. You may have questions for him, but I think it's something that uh, the audience and you will enjoy. So we're going to see how shy he is, but Luke Odom, can you come over here, please? I'm going to step away and let him talk. Hello, Luke, Mr. Luke. How are you today? Good. You look great. Thank you. Yeah. Don't worry about me. <laughs> I have a few questions for you. Well, of course, of course. So my first question was, I thought in your book, when the girl floats, it's like love, like joy when the dad gets close to the girl. You have really good insight. That's an interesting idea. That's a big idea. Have you ever felt that way? No. <laughs> well, I mean, you've probably never floated or have you? Yes. <laughs> but you, you know, I think the idea is sort of you know those those people that you can be around and it just you feel lighter, you feel better? Yes. Who who might be some of those people for you? Maybe like my brother James. Hmm. Or like my dad or mom. That's pretty cool to think about. I think it's cool too to think about that, you know, that feeling you feel around them is probably a feeling they feel around Luke. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's kind of cool to think about the, the, the impact you have on people. Is there anything else you want to know him? Remember, don't worry about uh, asking anything, just be present with them, man. Okay. I I had this one more, this last question. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, when my dad asked me how to be a better grown up, I thought about like, uh, what, like when you're, my dad probably told you about this already, but when you get upset um, and you need to work, try not to yell. Oh, so being careful, like how you yes. um, speak. Yes. Mm. What kind of grown up would you like to be? Um, one day. A one who cares. A one who worships Jesus. Mm. Luke, your parents have a whole lot to be proud of, man. Thank you. Be proud <laughs> of you. What um what what are some other things that might make somebody a great grown-up? Maybe when you when you're in a hurry and you see somebody on the side of the road, if you're not like really need to go get where you are you could just stop and help them. Whoa, hang on. That's a, that's a really, that's a really good idea, Luke. So like, if I had somewhere I had to be, I would pay attention to 
things around me? Yes. Hmm. So, like, if you had a, if, um, you had to stop at somewhere and you see somebody on the road and you don't really need to get to where you need to be, like, right now, you yeah. could, um, stop and help them. Wow. That's a that's a a really good idea. I'm sitting here thinking about how cool it would be if every grown-up did that. Me too. I mean, you know, uh, as a kid, I um, wanted to help, but I didn't feel like I really could do much because I, I had like little hands and I, I um, fell down a lot. <laughs> do, are, are there things that you feel like you can do to, to help people around you? Yes. So if you see somebody hurt, I feel like for me, just for me, I don't know if anybody else would do this. I just, I would um, ask my mom or dad to um, call somebody like call an emergency rescue person, like dial nine one one to help them. That's a that's a you you have you have a lot of uh, wisdom. Do you know what wisdom is? Sorta. Sort of. You heard that word. Mm -hmm. It's um, it's kind of like being smart, except even bigger than that. It's it's about knowing things that are true and right and good and one of the things that's really interesting about what you just said is that you know that you can help people but you also know that you can call on people to help you help people mm -hmm. yeah there's so many people around us that, that we can reach out to and help i'm glad that i know if i need help there's a luke in the world <laughs> what um what are some things that make you laugh? You probably don't laugh though. You've probably never laughed. Have you ever laughed? Yes. Hmm. Sometimes when I'm with my family, I laugh for like joy, like a good reason. Ah, yeah. Sometimes I laugh and I'll take a drink like this. Mm. And I'll spit it out. Have you ever had that happen? It comes out your nose. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and my daughter had milk come out her nose one time. And then we laughed even more about that. <laughs> Sometimes we'll laugh and we can't stop laughing. Have you ever played this game? We're going to play a game. So this is a game uh, where we are going to fake laugh until we start real laughing. Have you ever done this? No. Okay, so we'll start fake laughing, and I'll start, and you can do it too, so. <laughs> okay, that was real laugh. <laughs> you made me real laugh with your evil laugh. <laughs> So, Luke, um, do you have any other questions for me? You can ask me anything. Lightning round, go. 
No, I'm good. If you want to oh. ask me anything, you could. Okay, what's the best number? Seven. Oh, interesting. Oh. You're gonna hurt the other number's feelings, you know. I know. It's just a lucky number. Mm, yeah, yeah. Favorite animal, go. Shark, snake, and crocodile. Whoa, combined? combined. Shark, snake, a dial? <laughs> yep. Shark. Like, not combined, like, those are my, like, my three favorite animals. Oh, uh, yeah. Pretty cool. I like otters. Otters are pretty cool. Yeah. Especially cool. the Australian otter, which has, um, like, um, like, wet, like, webbed feet with, um, on their, they have claws that can sting and have venom. What? They're river How do you know about Australian otters? I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I don't know why I know. I just know. Yeah. Finish this sentence. The world would be more awesome if. Nobody bullied anymore. If no more, if nobody bullied. I agree. I agree. Can I give you a fist bump? Thank you. Really cool to meet you, Luke. I'm glad we can be friends now. Say me too. He goes, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Say bye, Mr. Montague. Bye, Mr. Montague. <laughs> bye, Mr. Luke. Bye. All right, team. You can tell. Hop off. So he, I was worried about this. <laughs> so the camera, as you probably saw, was set up like nice, pivoted, and somehow he kept moving and it hit the, <laughs> it hit, it, it loosened it up. And so it's, it's toast right now. I'm so sorry. Oh, he is great. <laughs> he is great. Uh, well, thank you so much, Brad. I really appreciate it. This was awesome, man. Be proud, dad. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. Please support us by subscribing to our YouTube channel, cast on Apple or Spotify, and help us celebrate the beautiful, messy work of shaping human potential.